So this morning, we want to continue in the same theme as we're talking about cell groups and, and how important they are. As you remember, our cell groups are opening now in July. We'll continue giving you more uh, direction on that. But I want to make a case, Barcelona, why it's so important for us to connect and the responsibility we have towards one another. I want to use two main texts. I'll focus a lot more on the one text, but the other one I will read later. The first one I want to read is Genesis chapter 4, verse 9. And I'm going to read a number of translations with you. Now, the people in the first service were really, really uh, on fire. And, and then it was cold, and yet they were on fire. And I, and I think you'll be on a better fire than them. Okay, so I hope you'll say amen, ena, etia, whatever you'll say, all right? Have you found Genesis chapter 4? I'm reading verse 9 in the New King James Version Bible. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? He said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? The New Living Translation reads, Afterwards, the Lord asked Cain, Where is your brother? Where is Abel? I don't know, Cain responded. Am I my brother's guardian? The Message Bible reads, God said to Cain, Where is Abel, your brother? He said, How should I know? Am I his babysitter? The Living Bible reads, but afterwards the Lord asked Cain, where is your brother? Where is Abel? How should I know Cain retorted? Am I supposed to keep track of him wherever he goes? The reason I'm teaching this teaching today, I was going to teach it, but I think the conversation I had with one of our church members not too long ago confirmed how much I need to preach this message. Usually with the preaching of messages, it's a combination of things that leads me to teach on certain topics. It could be maybe in our meetings with bishops and overseers and senior administrators as we're looking at the pastoring and the conversations we've had with you as we've assessed where our people are at. We believe that you know, there's this topic that would be appropriate. More than often, as I pray, God will lay it on my heart to say, do such and such. Or it could be there's a specific issue that's going around in the country, and we're trying to help our people navigate their way through that, or we're in a special certain season that people are going through. So, you know, the coming in of a sermon, for it to become a teaching, there's a combination of factors. And one of the things that over the years I've really felt becomes very critical is for me always to make sure that I truly represent the heart of God. You know, when you read the epistle of Peter, Peter talks about that, if, and let everyone who speaks speak as of the oracles of God. And he's borrowing a practice that was there those days when people would be sent by kings, and you'd be sent by a royal person, by a king, to go to another country, and relay a message to the other country. And so you had to make sure that in your message, you don't add anything and you don't leave out anything. You're going to say exactly what you were told to say, nothing more, nothing less. And that was called that you are being an oracle. 
And, and one of the things for me that has been very important is that in the words of Peter, to be an oracle, not just of a human being, but the oracle of God, if possible, to say what's on the heart of God, preach a message that comes from God and something that will minister to our hearts. So as I had a conversation with this church member whose story confirmed the need for me to preach this sermon, I asked them, you know, <coughs> excuse me, from this conversation, can I share your story? Can I use your story as an illustration? And they were glad for me to share their story. Of course, I will not tell you who they are. I won't give you their name nor their gender, just for, to keep the story, just as a story and for you to go after the principle. This person was telling me about how they became discouraged the last two years. And this is somebody who was serving in a church and was even serving at, at a very high level. And because of the issues and problems that came up, they even stopped coming to church, stopped serving God, even stopped having fellowship with the believers. In their own words, I was shocked to get a phone call from such and such a person. And this person happens to be my friend, but I know this friend of mine. They are not people who are much into certain things. They, they are a spiritual person. They live right. And I was shocked for them to call me of all the people. And in their phone call, they were asking about my whereabouts. I tried to explain and dive and duck, and they wanted to know, why is it that you're not even serving at such and such a level? And it was a shock for me to hear this friend of mine telling me, you must go back. And after the phone call, this person says, I was so shaken by what my friend said, and I kept on thinking about what they said, and Bishop, that I'm here to see you, I'm just here to announce to you that I am back. And it all happened because of my... Yeah, I think you should give that friend a very, very big hand. As I listened to the story, I remembered Galatians, I mean Genesis 4, 9, and even Galatians 6, 1 and 2, which I will read later. I realized that what this friend did was opposite to the attitude that was displayed by Cain. This church member concerned themselves with the life of another person. Unfortunately, we are living in a world that has the Cain attitude, wherein people do not really want to show concern for the other person. Cain, when God is talking to him, and God is asking him, where is your brother? He already knew the answer. But instead of answering genuinely, he speaks back to God in a disrespectful, arrogant manner. God is simply asking, where is Abel, your brother? Cain says, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? As you see in the New Living Translation, am I supposed to keep track of him wherever he goes? Cain has an attitude problem. The reason is that he had a grudge against his brother in the first place. And we know as we read the story, he took out his brother into the field and killed the brother. So what God was doing is he was zeroing in on him and putting him on the spot. And Cain was trying to duck and dive this pointed question by saying, how do you expect me to know where he is? I mean, am I my brother's keeper? Am I supposed to follow him around every minute and know where he is? He's not my responsibility. Ah, you are missing it, Cain. He is your responsibility. 
We're living in a world that says, you know, what a person does is none of my business. And I understand what we mean. Now, I'm not going to judge them, and I understand what we mean. But you know, the biblical way, the biblical principle is that God wants you, and he wants me to be our brother's keeper, to be our sister's keeper. God wants us to concern ourselves with what happens in the life of another, without hubandava, of course. And without trying to live life for them, God wants us to be touched, really, by what happens to them, and not take that attitude. In fact, the other scripture in Galatians chapter 6, if you can go there with me, and you read what it says there, and I'll read it in different translations. It says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. So God says, if you see your brother in a trespass, doing wrong, or they are caught in something, you should play the role of restoring them. You should be your brother's keeper. You should be your sister's keeper. You don't just stand aside, seeing a Christian going the wrong way, or having a crisis, and you don't say, I don't want to involve myself. Not what it says. He said, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness. Watch it now. Considering yourself, lest you be tempted. Why is it saying, do it in a spirit of gentleness? Because sometimes we have a tendency to look upon people who are having crisis and to be judgmental on them. We look at somebody who's going through a rough time in their life and we, 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 we pull up, you know, we, we pull up, oh, can anybody say, they said close our heads. So now I'm saying we must pull up our nose. <laughs> and so we, 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 we look at them and we come with this attitude. And we speak to them from the position of privilege and the position of power. And yet we see that their, th their life is crumbling down and falling apart. It says, bear one another's burden. Let me read it to you in the New Living Translation. It says, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by sin, hmm, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. See, as Christians, this is the God way. The God way is for us to help one another with gentleness, with kindness. Help the person back on their feet. Can I hear a good amen in the house? We should do that, Bazar. I remember one of our pastors in Kasilblelurikimam. One of our pastors in the early years, actually, you know, they were a church member at the time, and I hadn't seen them in church for a while. And I knew that they were backsliding. And I remember visiting them at their place and talking to them about it. You know, every time Kebona, this leader of ours, leading and so strong and powerful, I remember that day. But you see, this is what we should all be doing. We should be our brother's keeper. Oh, I don't hear any amens in the house. We should be our brother's keeper. And God is asking that question. The Message Bible reads... Wow, I love it. Oh, let's, 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 let's read the New Living Translation again. It says, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. Now note, and be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. How many of you have realized that if you judge people what they're going through, you are also going to get a chance to deal with the same... Hmm? You're, you, you, I'm telling you, you will get a chance. And... 
Because it's easy to judge somebody who does something when they're in a situation and you've not been in that situation. You know, there are people who are when they're in a situation. Well, let's see what you're going to do when you're in the same spot. You know, we can all judge Peter. How can he deny Jesus? You know, when Jesus is about to go to the, to the cross, how can he deny Jesus? Let's put you on the spot. Rubona, what you're going to do when you're looking at people with swords and clubs? Let's see how, what are you going to do? Yeah, I'm being honest with you. And God is saying, let's just make sure that we don't power up to the people who are in trouble. And we become holier than thou. Because you may find yourself in the same situation yourself. Oh, let, let's, let's get here a good amen. Thank you, sir. Thank you, my brother. Thank you for, for encouraging me on that point. They are not saying anything. You got it, you know. Amen. The Message Bible reads, Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore them. You know, there's nothing as, as sad as people who are back on your feet. Anyway, anybody knows what I'm talking about? They're helping you marabao chica at the same time. It's And I'm thinking, hey. I mean, I've already reaped the rewards of my disobedience. Why chick me on top? Oh, is that good English? <laughs> Live creatively, friends. If someone falls into sin, forgivingly restore him. Watch what it says. Saving your critical comments for yourself. Huh? There's no need or no more debriefer. There's no need. They don't need the debrief. They've already learned their lesson. Now note verse 2. Stoop down and reach out for those who are oppressed. Share their burden. Can I hear a good amen? Can I hear a good amen? Can I hear a powerful amen? But Cain, instead of being his brother's keeper, he's very arrogant. Matthew Henry, when he comments on this, he says, and I quote, when a person is unconcerned in the affairs of others and takes no care when they have opportunity to prevent hurt, especially in their souls, that person, in effect, speaks Cain's language. End of quote. He's using a term. And my brother's keeper. That word keeper is the word shoma in Hebrew. Shoma. Spelled S-H-A-M-A-R. And that word, the primitive root of that word means to, to hedge about as we thought. Am I my brother's keeper? In other words, am I the one who must build a hedge around my brother? That word means to guard. Generally, it means to protect, to attend. I am to be my brother's keeper. I am to build a hedge around you. I am to protect you and guard you. I am to be there and help you when you go into what is wrong. It's not for me to criticize and judge and lecture you. I am to be my brother's keeper. And that's the question God was asking Cain. Instead of being your brother's keeper, you murdered him. Instead of building a hedge around him, protecting them. That word shoma means to take heed, to mark, to look narrow, narrow, narrowly, to preserve, to regard, or to be a watchman. So what it simply means is that we need to keep watch 
preserve like a bodyguard or a protector. That's what we must do for our sister and our brother. To be our brother's keeper. And it's hard because as human beings, we are not naturally wired to be like that. As human beings, we are wired to look out for number one first. As long as number one is all right, I don't care what happens to the rest. As human beings, we are really not wired to be compassionate. There are people who naturally are compassionate, but for the rest of us, we have to learn to be compassionate. For the rest of us, we have to learn to reach out to other people. And Bazalana, let me be honest with you, this is the code of Christianity. This is the mark of being a believer. This is really what makes the kingdom of God move on. Imagine if God didn't care about us. If God left us in our sin and left Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden and God said, I don't care what happens down there. But God in his love, I like the way the Bible says it. It says in the epistle of John, it is not that we loved him first. That's why we must be careful, Barcelona. Harry has a testimony. You know, I want to remember, I want so long I'm told you yes, so long I'm told you yes, so long I'm told you yes, so long I'm told you yes. And my question is, who told that who? Huh? So long I'm told you yes, as though you yes, so long I'm told you yes. I'm not sure who told you yes. Who told you yes? Who told can I hear an amen in the house? Imagine if God took the attitude of saying, everything is fine for me in heaven. Everything's fine. Let me leave these creatures down there on the earth. But the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God gave Jesus without a guarantee that we would accept what he's doing. God sent his son to the cross without any guarantee that there would be anybody who would receive Christ and believe on him. But God became our keeper. God came out to us. It is not that we loved him first, but it is that he loved us. I like the way Paul says it in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. As you read it towards the end, he says, we beseech you on God's behalf. We beseech you on God's behalf. In other words, we are coming to make a proposal on God's behalf. It's not God who's in trouble. It's not God who needs the help. But God is the one who takes the first step. He's not like us. He's not like us. And the Bible is teaching us to be our brother's keeper. Can I hear an amen? amen. To be our sister's keeper. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? Can I hear an amen? amen? The idea of that word is to keep God, to watch, to protect, to oversee. However, it doesn't mean we take ownership of the other person's life. Being our brother's keeper doesn't mean we live life for them. It doesn't mean we enable that person to continue in wrong and cover for them by lying for them to keep them out of trouble. That's not what it means. There comes a point where you help somebody, but there comes a point where you say, this far I can't do it anymore. So when it says to be your brother's keeper, it doesn't mean you are, you are, you are, you are doing, trying to live life for them. 
In other words, I'm not going to do for people what they should be doing for themselves. I'm not going to be keep bailing somebody out time and time again and they don't learn. No, no, no. There comes where a point like my grandmother used to say, Hocha nocho. But Cain asks, am I my brother's keeper? So in, this, in the light of this, I'm going to show you practical ways in which you can be your brother's keeper, your sister's keeper. It's right through the Bible. Right through the Bible. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Number one, we learn as Jesus commanded us, firstly, that we must love one another. First, Jesus commanded us. We've got to love one another. John 13, 34 to 35, it reads as follows. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. So, that's the first thing we must do. We must love one another. If you want to know what love is, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13. The beginning part, love is kind, love is whatever. We need to show that to one another. By doing that, we become one another's keepers. You know, this is the one and only commandment God gave the New Testament church. And this is the one and one commandment that Christian people break the most. Loving one another. You know, Zalana, it, I, I, sometimes it... It really gets to me. Maybe one day I must just preach on the love of God in this church for six months nonstop. Yeah, yeah. Six months nonstop, wire, wire. Because the one thing that neutralizes our power as God's people and what we can do is the failure for us to demonstrate love to one another. I'm telling you. Now, now you say, you say to me, yeah, I know, but it's very hard to love. Yes, it's hard to love. It, it's opposite our human nature. It's hard to love. But that is why Romans 5, verse 5, says to us that the love of God, the love of God has been shared abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. You see, that day when you received Christ as Savior and Lord, when God changed you and made you a new creature, one of the things God imparted in you, among the many other things, is the love of God. That is why ever since you became a Christian, even if you want to be as nasty as you were before you became a Christian, you are not comfortable. Because, yeah, yeah, because in here, in here, now, I'm not talking about what your head tells you. I'm not talking about what your emotions tell you. I'm talking about what your heart tells you. When you see yourself treating people in certain ways, something come on. It's, it's not nice because you're not the same person. You have the seed of the love of God. Most Christians don't know how to grow in love. They don't know how to grow. You know, one preacher, I was sharing in the first service that one preacher who really touched my heart. I mean, I was really touched by this man when I started listening to him way back in 1982. He talked about his past life. And let's be honest, Pastor Lana, we all come from somewhere. And this guy used to really be rough. He was really rough. You know, a guy who smokes, he drinks, he womanizes, you know, he curses. You know, some people, you know, 
it's good barohakana it's bad barohakana they are trying to express themselves positively barohakana you don't know you don't know because they punctuate every sentence that's a way of talking let's be honest when you are used to talking like that it's difficult but he was that kind of guy so he got married and his first marriage was a disaster because when you have a certain kind of personality you can't you can't other people don't want to live with you why little His first marriage was total, but he didn't know Christ. You know, when we don't know Christ, Bazan, we're in darkness. Thank God he, well, he got married again. Thank God got born again. And says, when I got born again, there was a lot of work to do. All of us, Barcelona, there's a lot of work to do. If you were used to expressing yourself, you know, it's, it's hard. Sometimes the express, oh, yeah, it's well affair. No, no, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. So this guy said, I really worked hard. He said, but then, then he said, but then I noticed I was so short-tempered. And, you know, they, they're raising kids. And he said, every time I, I woke my kids up, I'd scream and shout at them to get out of bed because that's what my father used to do to me. You know, sometimes we carry over these things, eh? We, we think that's the way. He said, yeah, I'd shout and scream at my kids. He said, then he started learning about the love of God. And then he thought, look, why don't I find a better way of waking my children up. So he said, so I looked for a way and I just found a way to have candy in my pocket, the sweets. If it, if it is to bring a smile on their face. He said, all of a sudden, my children's attitude towards me changed. And he said, I wasn't one to ever tell my children I love them. You know, some of you, you are so hard, you can't even tell somebody I love you. And ladies, little No, 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 no. I'm not saying nah. And that's not what I meant. Those of you who have fathers, if your father is alive, tell him you love him. See, some of you ladies, you don't think we want to hear that. Don't, 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 don't work out this the way we present ourselves. You know, man who's a tough guy, whatever. Hey, I, I, I won't tell you the story. I don't know if I'll tell you. Some, some of you, you won't know it. Actually, I will tell the story because most of you don't know it. Most of My bishop and I, Rasteva story, say. I remember we had one of our, our pastors years ago. Years ago. He, he really wanted this lady. I mean, he really. I mean, and this lady, I'm a Hana. But I like this girl. Why our proposal? I and we knew about it because you tell us and he was really so 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 <laughs> finally I'm calm. <laughs> and the next Sunday in earlier night and the announcements I mean Bazala, the weather was like this even though this is better it was, there was no sun it was the, the weather was was gloomy dark clouds ah I'll tell you. Can I the announcement that can tell us?
ke ipotsaro wa di bona na di announcement Mamo du metseka Friday I remember I am alobala di announcement he wasn't walking ke bampa mora Hey girls lorna ro batla ra tiu wa tleng batho So this man said, the minute I started waking, my ch- waking up my children with candy, the children changed. He said, then I started telling them I love them. And he said, one of the days, my, I'm sorry, Jesus help this man over here. I'm going to stay away from you once a reason. So he says, one day he's daughter who was by now three years old, you know, he, he, had, it, he had her up in his arms and he said, this, he said, my child took my face in her arms. Have you ever had a baby do that to you? There's, there's nothing like, I, I'll give anything for a child to do that to me. And he said, this child held my face in her arms, put her face against my face, and she says, Daddy, oh, how I love you. Oh. Isn't that a better atmosphere than the screaming and the shouting? You know, with this love, so much happens. So much grows. The one commandment that we break the most. Love is kind, love is patient, love believes the best of every person. In fact, let's read it. I just feel I must... Sorry, I didn't, I, the guys at the back, I'm sorry, I didn't ask for this, but can you go please to um, uh, First Corinthians, thank you. Can I have the Amplified Bible, please? The Amplified Bible, okay? The Amplified Bible, okay. If I can speak in tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, okay? That reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, I'll read it from here such as is inspired by God's love for us in us. I'm a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. Now note, keep going please. If I have prophetic powers and gifts of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all secrets, truth, mysteries, process all knowledge, and if I have sufficient faith so that I can even remove mountains, but have not love, God's love in me, I'm nothing. In other words, God says, you can have supernatural powers, you can have all kinds of things. If, if you don't walk in this love, it's, it's useless. See, this is, this is what makes the kingdom of God work. That's what happens, and I'm telling you. The kingdom of darkness will never, ever overcome God's kingdom. Because Satan's kingdom is about hate. It's about bitterness. It's about unforgiveness. It's about revenge. I'm telling you. Love is very powerful. Next verse. Verse 3. And if I dole out all I have to the poor, in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned, that I may glory, but I have not love, God's love in me, I gain nothing. Now here we go. It's explaining what love is. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love endures long and is patient and kind. You know, sometimes we can endure long, but we're not patient and kind as we do it. 
Guru so so tutsi fail. But but you're not kind about it. So love is patient and kind. Next thing, love never is envious, nor boils over with jealousy. See, when you walk in love, you don't become jealous of what the other person has. Right? You, 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 you thank God for what they have. Hallelujah. Next verse. It says, oh, not next verse. Love is not boastful or vainglorious. You know, love doesn't parade itself and just, you know, you boast and, you know, you know some people, Habakkabah blessed, you are in trouble. Ah, you can hear that their testimony is really not to celebrate God, but to just to show you how better they are than you. That I am blessed. I'm an anger figure Love washes does not display itself haughtily in a proud way. You know. Next verse. Love is not conceited. What does it mean? It's not arrogant and inflated with pride. You know, there are people who, who are so arrogant. All they have is about themselves. Their opinion, their way, their anything. They won't even listen to you. It's very arrogant. Now remember, God solves us. God sorts us out. This is how we are. Before we are saved, this is the things we are. And it says, love is not rude. It's not unmannerly. You know, manners, there's things that, eh, eh, and as people say, they must earn my respect. There's no way in the Bible says anyone must earn your respect. There's no way in the Bible where it said anybody must earn your respect. You respect out of choice. You know, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know they must earn your respect. You're dead may have been the most irresponsible, and I'm using harsh words, sorry, wayward, absent person in your life. But you can choose today. I'm telling you, you can choose today to talk to them with respect. What does it mean to talk to them with respect? Let me show what some of you does. When you see celebrities, you fawn over them. You don't know them. They don't know you from a bar of soap. You don't know how they live. You don't know what they embrace. Nothing. You don't know anything. They are never there in your life. They don't even care about you. Who? Now, if you can treat somebody like that who's a stranger to you, and you mistreat somebody who's part of your life. Yeah. Respect, Barcelona. I'm telling you, I've read the Bible, and I've heard people make that statement, you must earn my respect. That's the, what the world does. We choose to respect. There are people that you respect, even if you don't know anything about them. You speak highly. Some of you, even your, 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 your profile pictures, more WhatsApp. Here are some of these people. Come on. You don't know them. You don't know how they live. Marubabila Mola is a profile picture. You won't even have a profile picture of your father or your mother or your pastor. You won't even do that. Because you say they must earn your respect. Earn your respect, Kai. Respect is a choice, Bazan. I'm telling you, we choose 
to ascribe worth to say, I'm going to speak to this person in a decent way. I might be unhappy with them. I might be angry with them. I'm going to speak Libona in a nice way. The same way you do that celebrity Osama Tzibing. It's a choice. It's got nothing to do with anybody earning anything. In a home, you choose to respect your husband. You choose to respect your wife. Are you on to your end? What end guy? You choose to respect your parents. You choose to respect your children. You respect your pastor. You respect people in authority. But no, no, don't be taken by some of these things. God's way is a different way. It's a different way. It's a different way. Different way. I'll wait for it. It says, love is not rude, it's not unmelody, it doesn't act unbecomingly. Then it says, love, God's love in us does not insist on its own right or its own way. Why? Because it's not self-seeking. There are people who, if they can't have their way, nothing is moving. Yeah. It has to be my way. And one of the major things that break up marriages, because when you marry, you must remember, you die to you. Can't always be me, myself, and I. Can't be. It can't be. And if we say, if you are so obsessed with yourself, don't try marriage. It's not a good idea. If you're already established and self-sure in who you are, man or woman, doesn't make any difference. If you are so used to having it your way and doing it your way, because once when you are, you can't. You can't. You can't just live in jail. We are somewhere. You can't. And sometimes, I don't know why I'm talking about our pastors. One of our pastors. Let me give you another one. This is many years ago. Many years ago. He happened to be the first one who got married among his friends. You know, so he's got the guys, you know, and they were used to it. After church, they would go out and chill with the guys. You know, after the service, they just go somewhere. You know, I mean, that's what guys do. I mean, they're single after all. So he got married first. So first week, <laughs> the second week, they're driving with his friends. And as usual, you know, the wife has gone ahead. So he's coming with his friends. So he's coming with his friends. So I'm like, I'm like, Salom Lelange, no Ricard Katama, Likmanning Melela Ponga. Those of you who are not laughing is those who are not married yet. <laughs> the, the guy who was telling me, Ara, you know what? We know what Nekilo Muruti, then you know what Muruti? Ramona Hat, La Sofa, La Hore, La Hosso, who took Oyana, Hatama. Pastor Dick Arbamo Chele Salat. He's an inexperienced married guy. You don't agree with your friends when you're married. You don't tell them because you may not like the exhortation. <laughs> the expression on the face or 
Superman is not going anywhere. <laughs> so I was talking to him later and I was saying to him, Raymond, you must know how nyala. You cease to be free. Certain things why I turn to cope. Sometimes we nangel. But later. So mo porta umisa kama bisualing siyo. Or what I fell about male. Some of you can wanna let's about Saka because you are sitting next to him or her. <laughs> Bishop, somebody said, Bishop, Nara Ralentu, Yanon, Wasinia, Yanon, Wasinia, Yanon. But you see, love is not self seeking. Yeah. See, because if you are so obsessed with you, bad idea to get married. If you want to have your way, come back home the day you want to, but Vajachata Huli won. <laughs> I think I must talk about marriage a little bit, should I? I know some of you are looking at chalet, but it's fine. You know, it's up to couples. But I suggest to couples, companion chalet. Halle broke, le broke, offer. In my house, Nalo Waifiri, Rohola, Recreia, pocket money is the same amount. Whatever she gets, I get. Already laser, laser, read too. Give me Kidoka Dima Koyan. Koponka Dima. In the house, you use your money together. You go further together. See, in marriage, you die to me. But you know, we are so sure. And this is why sometimes it's very, very hard to, to get into these things when you're already way ahead and very established in your way. So I, I suggest to you young people, pliable. flexible. Before you become entrenched, before overleading total, because I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I know you may not like what I'm saying. I've spoken to many, many senior people. There's a leader I know who was trying to pursue Linyalo Kaikai with a very successful somebody. And then, then it didn't happen. Then I said, well, I don't know, never. They want to stay in their businesses and there's someone in another place or they want me to move and stay in another country. No, I can't. But you see, when you're young, I also believe anything. You don't have a house, you don't have a car. Even career-wise, something is flexible. Something is flexible. So you guys, it's going to rappel on too long. Rappel on too long. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you three guys there. Muruti Musha, Muruti Daker, Muruti Zain. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Nyalang, Nakoyata Maya. Kaspit. Putumang. Yeah. Why? You want to do it when you are young. Because when you are young, you're flexible. You know, you don't have much. You, don't have, you haven't even become anything. You are not famous yet. You're not established yet. Santana Le Paisa. You don't mind. It's all right. It's not impossible. It's just difficult. Because everybody is now entrenched in their way. I don't know why I went this way. Maybe there's somebody here always looking around for somebody. And God is counseling you right where you are for a bad idea. We don't know what, what God's doing. But you see, love is that way. Verse 4. Let's start go verse 4. Verse 4. Love is not boastful, is not vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. Note the next verse. 
It is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude. God's love in us does not insist on its own right, for it is not self-seeking. Note the next verse, verse 6. It is not touchy, fretful, or resentful. Now note the next part. This one is the most difficult. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It's, it's, that's hard. That's hard. When we walk in God's love, imagine if God was to treat us like that. How do I rap it out? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, that's all sense, Salah. You remember two years ago? Kadi Tutsa February. You remember? Wapula Witze. Wapula Witze. If God was to teach us, treat us like that, where would we be? Why is God so hard on us when we don't forgive others? Because he says, I forgave you of a bigger sin. God not only knows the wrong you did, he knows why you did it. He knows the attitude in your heart. He knows everything. Not only does he know your actions, he knows your intentions. He knows your heart. He still forgives us. Think about it. God knowing everything about us, knowing fully well that after several years we'll walk away from him, he still blesses us. He still loves us. It's, it's a different kind of love. It's a gapper love. It's a, it's a love that only a God can possess. And it's the same love according to Romans chapter 5 that has been shed abroad in our hearts. Oh yeah. Not touch, not fretful, not resentful. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Next verse. My goodness. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness. But it rejoices when right and truth prevail. See, when you walk in love, you, you, you don't lie to people. You're truthful. But you still love them. And this is the combination that people don't understand. How you can be truthful and honest with them and you still love them. Because people think if you love them, you must lie. You, know, you must tell them, Things that you don't mean. You are the world to me. Serious. You are the breath that I breathe. Serious. Really. And I'm my mate this guy's such a so and so You don't mind as long as you You are my everything. True love is not flattery. It's not flattery. Of course you can tell somebody whatever, whatever, and say it in a nice way. But you become truthful. Because no human being can be everything to you. Only God can be everything to you. Yeah. yeah. And, if, if, and if, you're looking, if you're looking towards your wife or your husband to be everything to you, you'll be disappointed. Because there's no human being who has that capacity. Some of the things that you're looking for in your wife, in your husband, you should be finding in God. If you don't have peace with God in your heart, 
in your heart and you are blaming the poor one about you are blaming the poor one about you know caught. But if una if in your heart, only one. And there's no other person who can quell the bufirifiri in you. Only Jesus can do that in your life. Oh, come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise as well. Come on, somebody. I know it was a hard someone. Give the Lord a shout. Let me close. Remember that man I was talking about whose daughter held his face? I was listening to him recently and watching him. He's in his 80s now. Mid-80s, late-80s. Looking good. That little girl now is a, is a minister of the gospel. The son is something else. Think about it. This is the man who used to curse every sentence. He used to drink himself into a stupor. This is a man who couldn't keep his first marriage alive. But look what God has done. If we can only allow God to change our lives, transform our lives, if we can really believe the gospel and live by the gospel, if we can only take the way that God says is the way, God says love is the way, forgiveness is the way, God says peace is the way, God says being your brother's keeper is the way. I was listening to Dr. Maltzman Roy this week, and I listened to him a lot. He made a statement that struck me. He was actually arguing, this is before his passing. I think in the Bahamas, they were trying to legalize some, something. And, and he was arguing that, I don't understand what these leaders of ours are doing, because they force these things on us. And they, they legalize them. And what they don't tell us, give the effects into it. And he used an example of a trip he had had uh, to uh, No, he's in the Bahamas. But he went, uh, it was in Germany, Holland, to the Netherlands. And he had gone over there to the Netherlands and as you know, prostitution is legalized there. And they had gone to the red light district where people sell, women sell their wares, it's all legal. And they pose there in the windows and men come and pick up whatever they like to have sex with and pay for the service. And he said, you know, this is what is called progress. Who to know, they have to make a living. Yeah, he said the sad part is that what they don't tell you is the after effects of that. And I'm telling you, all these people who are talking about this, they will not tell you. And even the people who do this stuff, they will lie to you and say, nah, all right, it's okay. I'm just making a living. I'm just, it doesn't affect me. That's not how God created us. And he said the most painful thing for us was to talk to somebody who was running a shelter there and picking up these women. But the most painful thing, there were 13-year-olds and 12-year-olds and 14-year-old girls who'd gone into the trade, he said, what was worse isn't only that they sold their bodies, but they were hooked on drugs. Because that world is dark. It's not just the sex they're getting. It's the drugs, it's the alcohol, it's the pimps. It's the diseases. They won't tell you that. And this is the statement he made that shook me. He said, you know, it is so sad. 
that they push something, but they don't tell us the outcomes. He was talking about decision making. He said, before you make a decision on anything, the first question you must try and ask is, what are the outcomes? And if there's any way of going to check what the results of that decision are, go and check it before you jump into it. And here we are in our country. There's things that we are allowing. We're not asking ourselves. See, the tobacco industry will not tell you about the many people with lung cancer. They will not tell you. They will not tell you. And if you go into medical science and you go to the people in the field, let them give you the statistics. Let them show you how many people. Let them show you how much it's costing government to treat those people. The very money they are saying they're making is the very money that ends up being used over there. Yeah. That's why the Bible says, choose the way of the old way and walk in that old and faithful way. God's way, I present to you, is the best way and the only way. God's way. Here's a man who was a drunkard. Here's a man who used to curse and swear. But by following God's word, by living out the life, by being his brother's keeper, by living out in love and following the scriptures, you see them 50 years later, 60 years later, their life is different. Why try something that you've never proven? Go into drugs and think it's not going to affect you. And you see what's been done today. I, I look around and I'm thinking, I just wonder some of this generation, I wonder if they'll be here in 20 years from now. I wonder what's going to happen to their children. I wonder what's going to happen to their careers. I wonder what's going to happen to their life. I wonder what's going to happen to them. But this is what has been paraded as the way. I'm here to tell you God only has the best way. Oh, come on. Give the Lord a big hand. Even if you don't believe it, God has the best way. God has the best way. That's why we've got to preach this gospel in season and out of season. That's why you must believe this gospel and live by the gospel. Go anywhere in the world. Anybody who has embraced the gospel, their life is a different life. Anywhere, any culture, any place, any country, any age, anybody who has embraced the gospel, their life was different. I can challenge you on that. Go anywhere in the world if you don't believe me. Go anywhere in the world. Doesn't matter. Third world countries, first world countries, black, white, yellow, doesn't matter. On the continent of Africa, in America, in Europe, doesn't matter where it is. Doesn't matter where they started. Doesn't matter who they are. Anybody who has embraced the gospel and lived by the gospel, their life is different. Yeah, I didn't say they didn't have problems, but God's going to keep you. God's going to help you move on. Can I hear a shout and an amen? Live by the gospel. Even if things are hard, live by the gospel and praise the gospel. Choose the way of the gospel. That's the way. That's the way. Don't be impressed by alternative things that have not been proven. They give you medicine and they don't tell you the effects of it. The contraindications. See, I offer medicine. Good for your libido. Your moods, your strength, but babangwala contraindications. You may hallucinate. (laughs) 
you may become too talkative that people will throw you out. Because they are being honest with you. Here's what you want. Here's what you do. Mara, here are the outcomes. Want to push our children into prostitution? Sex work? Want to legalize it? Want to convince our children it's all okay? That's the way to live? Want to let them drink in themselves into a stupor? Do whatever you like? Did we ever think about it? Did we show them the contraindication? Did we go and give them the data? Because the data is there. It's not that it's not there. You may, you may, you may be started. I, I'll never forget Barcelona. First time I went to Germany. First time I went to Germany. You know, you know, and I, this is back then. I mean, you know, traveling around and going to another country is a big thing. And here I am when I go somewhere to in Germany. Hey, I'm hot. <laughs> yeah, we are, we're in, we're in, uh, where were we? We're not in uh, Frankfurt. And we, we, so we, we, we went around, you know, it's a free place and everyone's free and everyone's free there. Everyone's free, I mean. And then we're passing by a bus station. It was a train station, I don't remember. And I see these two young people. And the one is crying his eyes out. I mean, really crying his eyes out. And, and I see next to him another young person cramped up, cramped up on the ground. In convulsions. And what I couldn't, we couldn't speak the language, but we, we, we tried to talk to them. You know, many of the kids are multilingual. This boy's crying. He said, he's my friend. We said, what's wrong? Is he sick? He said, no, he's not sick. He just overdosed. First impression in a first world country. Then it was still apartheid South Africa. First impressions, first impressions in a country that's free ahead of me that produces the Audis, the Mercedes-Benzes, and the BMWs. First time in a country that has the Uban where you can drive the speed limit, you can squala speed. But they have a kid there who has had enough money to go buy drugs, is overdosed, dying. We watched a teenager die in Germany. That day, I stepped back and I said, maybe these freedoms that we are wanting? I spoke to one leader on the continent the other time, during, at the height of COVID. At the height of COVID. And I called them. I said, how are things there? He said, no, things are not bad here. And then we got into discussions about wealth and so on. And, and he made a statement I'll never forget. He said, you know, our people here, they're very poor. They're very, very poor. And they don't have much, but they're happy. No, no, don't misunderstand what I've just said. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand. He said, when we go out preaching the gospel, they come in large numbers. You go to these places, go Germany, you, 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 you erect a tent. The first thing they complain about the noise. These progressive people. They complain about the noise. Next thing, they don't come. Next thing, if they come, they are the coldest group you can ever find. Because they don't know God. They've got money. They don't need divine healing. They've got medical aid. 
They don't have to pray for resources. They've got more money. They know what, what to do. Why, why do they need God? They tell you. I've spoken to somebody, a member of our church in Canada, who was telling me, he says, people don't go to church there. You go to a church, churches are small there, 200 people, 100 people. If you have a church of 500, it's a big church. People there will tell you. They've got all their boats and their cars and their everything. But we don't need God. Why? I've got money. Why do you need God? And they're the coldest spiritual people you can ever find. It's the hardest thing to preach to them. They just sit there. Because their heart is so cold towards God. What am I saying? Maybe before we take some of these prescriptions that come from the first world, maybe we must ask ourselves, what are the contraindications? We must ask ourselves. We, We may get all of this, but what is the outcome of that? God's word is the best thing we can ever have in our lives. If you believe that, give the Lord a big hand of praise. Come on, somebody give the Lord a shout. Get your Bibles. We used to sing a song. I don't think these young people know it. Because every time Kivina Dipida, I see they don't know it. Get your Bibles, Barcelona. We're going to... Sing a song we used to sing many years ago. Just get your Bibles. Now, this is my Bible. It's an E-Bible. 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 Sing it again. See you. 
Please remain standing. Please remain standing, everybody. Please remain standing. If you could bow your heads and, and close your eyes. Don't close your heads. Just close your eyes. Bow your heads, please, and close your eyes, everybody. If you're here today for the first time and you haven't received Christ as Savior and Lord, I, you know, the someone didn't go the way I planned. But I have a sense in my heart that there's somebody here that God is focusing on you because He loves you so. He wants to save you from a life of destruction. He really wants to reach out to you. Before you fall into a ditch, He's calling, calling, calling. Do you hear him? Do you hear his voice in your heart? Do you hear him tugging on your heart? Can you sense his spirit? Calling. 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 Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. Do you hear? You say, you know what, Bishop? My life is not right before God. But today I see this hope. Jesus came for someone like me. Would you please pray for me? Would you pray with me? I really want God to forgive me, cleanse me, and receive me as his own. Our heads bowed, our eyes closed. If that is you who wants that prayer, wherever you are, even those who are live streaming, if you need that prayer, can you raise your hand right where you are? I want to pray for you. Just raise it high. Do not be afraid. Raise it way high. Thank you. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. Only God changes lives. This is why we're here as a church. This is why we do what we do. Because Jesus came for us broken people. Jesus came for us. And he didn't come to judge us. He came to give us hope. Thank you for those hands. May I ask you if you haven't raised your hand yet and you know you should have raised your hand, would you raise your hand with the people who have raised their hands, please? Please don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. We're not here to judge you. We're here to try and give you hope. May I ask the people who have raised their hands, there's several of you, I want to pray with you. May I ask you please just to come from where you're standing and just walk all the way to the front. Don't leave any of your belongings behind, all right? Take all your belongings in your arms. If you've raised your hand, ushers, please help them. Just walk all the way. Please walk to the front. Give them a big hand, please. Thank you. Come, my children, come stand right here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Give them a big hand, everybody, please. Give them a big hand, everybody, please.